Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of MedTech Money brought to you by Project MedTech. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. For more information on Project MedTech, our events we host, our consulting and advisory services, and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, and follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcast by searching Project MedTech on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. Project MedTech is an interview-style podcast focused on the medtech industry where guests share stories, advice, pitfalls, trends, and innovations. If you enjoy our podcasts, you should check out our events. We have two events coming up this year, the Midwest Showcase in Cleveland, Ohio, on August 30th, and our Houston Startup Symposium, October 25th and 26th. The Midwest Showcase is focused on the Midwest region of the United States, but the Startup Symposium is global in nature. So if you wanna network with the same caliber of people that are on this podcast in a small, intimate environment, don't miss it. In this episode, our host, Giovanni Loricella, and our guest, William Day, at Shangbei Capital, discuss the most active fund in medtech, what they look for when investing, why they are different, and so much more. So without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with William Day. William, thank you very much for being here with us today. I'm very excited about this one because you and Shengbei Capital have been announced to be the most active medical device venture capital firm. And I think all those listeners who have been following us on this series thus far um, are quite interested in that, especially the ones who are raising capital, which is the intention of this whole series to begin with. And so leading to that, this is the MedTech Money Podcast series which is powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And William, the reason why we're here is I've, I've talked to MedTech entrepreneurs and investors like yourself from around the world. And what we've discovered on this series thus far is that there really is no silver bullet, specific formula, or even magic about how to raise or invest capital in MedTech. So my goal here is to extract your insights so that we can demystify this process and help those medtech innovators benefit from the information and also ultimately learn how to raise capital successfully. We have an audience of medtech entrepreneurs and investors listening in. And what I'd like to do is share your stories and advice so that we can help our listeners learn from you. And also more specifically, those first time founders or CEOs who have no clue of what lies ahead of them on this journey of raising capital. So I thought the best place to start is from learning from experienced professionals just like you. Before we get into who you are, William, and obviously the exciting story of what you've built with Shengbei Capital and being the most active medical device venture capital firm, I have some questions that I wanted to throw your way to start the conversation before we then start the story. So the first questions are, in your perspective, what, what is the lifeblood of a medtech startup and what keeps startups alive? Uh, thank you so much for... Uh, Jimmy for uh, having me and I think it's a great opportunity to share our perspective on how uh, 
the ecosystem works, you know, the medical device startups and the VCs uh, to support so that, the, you know, better uh, medical technologies can be uh, developed and uh, uh, be available to improve uh, patient outcomes. So, uh, yeah, so Xiangbei uh, Capital has been in the marketplace for the past eight years. We have been very actively uh, looking for uh, great technologies to invest. Uh, so far, we have invested in uh, 61 companies. Wow. And, uh, and I think 70% of investments actually are in medical devices and uh, the rest are in biopharma and uh, uh, digital health and some other health tech uh, uh, projects. Uh, but I think uh, uh, because of, uh, you know, the founding members experience uh, in medical device space. And I think we are really, I think, uh, uh, feeling extremely lucky and, uh, and, uh, uh, and the focus in device uh, uh, areas. And uh, uh, so I, uh, uh, prior to founding Xiangbei uh, Capital, I uh, spent quite a few years uh, with Boston Scientific. So I was the first, actually the only US employee actually sent back to China to start uh, <clears throat> Boston Scientific China operations. So we, we start building uh, a business from scratch to multi-billion US dollar right now. Uh, and uh, so, so I had opportunity actually to witness uh, uh, robust growth uh, uh, for medical device uh, business uh, in Asia Pacific, uh, particularly in China. And uh, and I think at the time, uh, the market in, in Asia Pacific was still relatively small compared with US. But for the past 20, 30 years, and uh, so the whole market has been growing so fast. And uh, so I, I think uh, the, the patients actually uh, all over the world uh, have a benefits uh, uh, have benefits uh, uh, to receive the, the advanced technologies. And uh, so I, I think I'm very happy uh, to to be part of the the ecosystem uh, in the Shanbei uh, for as a leading early stage medical device uh, VCs. We are so. Uh, 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 privileged uh, to be able to participate and uh, to be in the process of supporting uh, all those um, uh, very promising uh, medical device uh, startups. Um, and uh, I, I think so, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of, uh, uh, I think, uh, medical device uh, senior executives, and they have been, I think, uh, we have been uh, seeing so many and been working with so many. I think that they are really, I think, very driven and that they are really, I think, are trying to uh, uh, take their ideas uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, develop uh, those ideas and technology into real products, uh, which can potentially really, really uh, uh, help uh, patients and uh, and uh, and uh, and I think it's it's a great process, and I think Shambe uh, uh, is uh, so fortunate uh, to be part of it. Thank you for that. I, I I appreciate the background. And then from your perspective, after having invested into sixty one companies, and obviously being as active as you are, what do you think are some of the most important pieces 
of a medical device startup company? Like what keeps them going? What What is an absolute necessity for a startup to stay alive? Uh, I, I think, uh, first of all, I think, you know, technology should be uh, uh, more advanced, right? And uh, so the a lot of the, uh, the, the startups, and I think uh, so most of those entrepreneurs and CEOs have prior experience in medical devices. And uh, so, and I think they are looking for, uh, or they are working on some uh, some technology which actually are better than existing uh, uh, technologies. So I think the the more advanced technologies is kind of a given and also extremely important. Uh, and I think for for those startups and to focus on. Uh, in the meantime, I think the um, the uh, right now, given uh, the market is a very, uh, very tough, uh, the financial market has been very, very tight uh, for the past couple of years. I, I think it's extremely important for the CEO and the management team uh, to uh, to control their burn. And uh, because uh, uh, because I think if you don't really control the burn, burn the cash burn, uh, it will be very, very, uh, very hard for investor to uh, continue putting money uh, into the companies because you know the investors also are concerned about uh, if you burn the cash too much uh, and without achieving uh, uh, the uh, preset goals and then it will be hard to raise uh, uh, further uh, uh, further uh, uh, money for the future you know I, I think that's uh, I think it's extremely important that for uh, for the uh, for the startups to focus on the better technologies and the more uh, disruptive technologies uh, and uh, with uh, with uh, a very very good management uh, in terms of uh, uh, controlling the cost and uh, controlling the burn and uh, I, I think that really I think it will be a very very key point. Uh, for uh, a, a startup to survive, and uh, I think uh, this is uh, I've seen so many other you know some other uh, uh, startups and uh, they uh, they they got a very good team, very good got very good technologists, but they don't really uh, 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 work and they don't really you know operate like a startup. They just operate like a big corporation. They spend the money like a big corporations, and then. Uh, and very soon the company will uh, run into a very difficult time uh, to raise new money uh, because uh, because I, I think when the economy is good and I think probably uh, it will be easy to raise a next round uh, if you really you know uh, if you really hit the milestones. But given this is a very uh, tough uh, financing environment. And you need to, you know, extremely perform extremely well in order to attract the best money uh, that you can get, uh, so that you can get not only get the financials, uh, the all the money, but also you got all the resources those uh, VCs and those strategic can support support you. So, thank you. And from from also your experience of building these companies and being on some of the boards of these companies and in obviously investing in some of them and watching their journeys. What do you think is the hardest part about deciding to make an investment into a medtech startup? I mean, obviously you're very active. So clearly you've 
successfully made investments into companies, but you have to even look at even more companies before you make the investments that you already did. So what's your what's your thoughts on the hardest part about making or deciding to invest in a med tech startup? Yeah, I think we have uh, looked at uh, many companies and uh, and I think we got a lot of deal sources. And uh, uh, so uh, on average, I think we are looking at, so we look at about 10 companies a week. And uh, so so I think so the only, we invest only like a one to 2% of those companies we have uh, looked at. And I, I think that's, that really shows that we are very uh, picky uh, in terms of making our decision. Uh, final decision, and uh, uh, but I think a few uh, elements that we look at very, very hard before we make a decision. So uh, the most important, first most important element is the management team, the CEO's background, track record, and whether they have in the space, whether they have done something uh, similar, uh, or you know they have any successful track record, and uh, they their characters, their personalities. Uh, uh, and the composition of the team. So actually, this is probably the, the most important element or point that we look at the company uh, when we decide uh, to make a decision. And uh, once we feel that the team is a very strong, uh, they got a great, uh, you know, I, I think a team composition, the CEO got a tremendous experience. They have, a, you know, he or she has a, a a great track record, and then we look at the technology, and it's a, it's very interesting, right? So we actually, you know, because we believe those capable CEOs or entrepreneurs, when they actually choose and make decision to uh, to uh, start up uh, the company, they must have done a due diligence, uh, thorough due diligence, which area they should they should be uh, uh, getting in, and and the potentially that the, uh, in the company can be. Uh, sold and bought uh, by major strategic. So I believe the capability of the, the CEO and the team uh, is really reflective of how, uh, you know, uh, how successful the company could be. And then we look at the technology, you know, we compare the competition, we compare the existing technologies to, to make sure those technologies have an obvious uh, a distinctive uh, uh, advantages of existing investors, uh, existing uh, technologies, uh, and uh, once we uh, we are uh, we are con- we are con- convinced that the, the the new technology is better than the market uh, competition, better than existing technology, and and, the, and could uh, dramatically improve uh, the efficacy and uh, and uh, the patient outcomes, and then uh, I think uh, then we look into the market. Right, whether uh, the market is big enough, right? Uh, if the market is not big enough, sometimes we when we see super great technologies, but the market is not big enough, and then we also, you know, we want to wait, right? So if the market is not there, and uh, it's also will be very difficult. So yeah, three items, three three points. Uh, I think the major points: uh, the team quality, uh, experience, and uh, the technologies, and then I think in the market. So those are the three core points when we actually looked at very carefully, look at very closely before we make our decisions. And 
your your job as a venture capitalist is obviously unique. It's it's you're deploying capital that you've raised for your fund, and you're choosing these startups to invest in. And like you mentioned, your process. Once again, from your perspective, what do you consider? And, and think about this from all those entrepreneurs listening to us talk now. What is the actual position description of a venture capitalist, or the really main responsibility that a venture capitalist takes on? And then there are there are nuances and challenges that you face that most entrepreneurs will never really understand. I mean, the entrepreneurs ask you for money, but they don't really understand some of the challenges that you have to deal with in your job of balancing your portfolio, re- reporting back to your limited partners, adhering to your investment thesis, things like that. So what does a venture capitalist do? What's their position description? And then what is the biggest challenge of being a venture capitalist? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a, a very good question, actually. So, you know, we, when we actually balance uh, our uh, strategies, actually, and I think we look at all the portfolio uh, companies we have made investment, and then we always try to really, I think, uh, carefully sometimes balance uh, for the follow-on investments because we only got limited resources, uh, which we try to maximize uh, the uh, the most to maximize the likelihood of those companies who uh, which can eventually uh, uh, make exits uh, or can 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 be successful. So yeah, oftentimes I, I think uh, so we you know some you know we like those CEOs who really I think uh, uh, execute well and work hard and then work with VCs, work with investors, and I think that they you know. It, it, you know, oftentimes, sometimes we've, we we see some portfolio company CEOs, they only work on uh, by themselves and that they don't communicate with this uh, 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 investors very well. And uh, so, yeah, we, we, you know, we believe that it's a critical important for any portfolio company uh, 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 to work with investors very close, closely to be uh, extremely transparent. And because uh, oftentimes, uh, with our experiences and the resources, and you know, we can really help uh, startups. And uh, I, I, I just want to share a story with you guys, with you. Um, and I think uh, so. One of the early investments we made, uh, uh, I think the CEO is a very strong uh, engineer and with uh, with a, a great track record. And then uh, I, I think he basically invited. Uh, his former boss, chairman of the, the company. So so we kind of called that the seed round. Uh, and uh, so I recommend quite a few uh, VCs uh, for them to meet and they try to uh, try to help them to raise uh, more uh, more and new money. Uh, but but I think that then I think the chairman of the company, uh, never had experience in the uh, in the startups uh, settings, and uh, he, you know, tried to you know act and uh, help the company just like uh, uh, running a big company, uh, which obviously didn't work. And uh, so it's it's kind of a very challenging. And uh, so the company was kind of uh, running out of the cash, and uh, they couldn't raise any penny, and uh, they missed all the you know, uh, very important, uh, uh, the deadlines. And uh, 
So I was very worried. I, I was that was I, I still remember the phone one. We uh, we start very small. Uh, that we but we already committed such a big uh, chunk of money, uh, relative speaking. And uh, and uh, you know I was you know challenging the chairman, challenging the board, uh, the CEO, and uh, what they have been do uh, what what they had been doing and. Uh, and uh, so I give some suggestions, and uh, so one day, so the and the chairman was, you know, just saying, "Oh, uh, William, so I'm the chairman. I have the right to do so." I, I said, "You know, uh, yeah, I, I use a little bit, uh, you know, aggressive words, and uh, so basically saying, you know, that this is a, you know, that this is a BS, and uh, we are shareholder. We can replace you at any time, and what you have been doing is really damaging the company." Uh, not really helping company at all. Uh, I was very, you know, firm and uh, and I tried to communicate, tried to communicate uh, what I saw. Uh, and then the next day, uh, the chairman resigned. And uh, so previously, the CEO never communicated with us because he had a pre kind of uh, you know trust with his former boss, and they, they communicate a lot. Uh, but they, you know, basically the company didn't commit with investor very well. Uh, and uh, and then I told CEO, I said, uh, don't worry, it, it will be support you if you, you know, you, you're willing to work with us, right? So, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, we can have a weekly call and, uh, you know, discuss the issue because experiences we have, uh, you know, Probably I, I say you are the best in technology, but you don't have much operation experiences, which really I think that we can leverage our past experience to support to help you. And the CEO said, no, no problem. So we'll do this. So then I think uh, we, we then we put a bridge and we let the bridge run. And it's on a weekly basis. We, uh, we spend time with CEO to go through all the issues. And it goes through all the difficult difficulties and uh, he and the team had. And then, you know, after three months, we got the CE mark. Uh, so then I think a company can start selling the products and uh, and, uh, getting, uh, and, uh, and uh, actually was getting more data. Uh, and uh, so then we're very happy that we let the Series B. You know, we, we doubled on the money. We, we let the Series B. And then after the three months, the company was sold. And this is an extremely important kind of example, you know, how, you know, as investing, you just not only just put money in. And uh, when the company uh, faces a challenging time, uh, you should step out and, uh, you know, you should step in and, and, and try to help. And uh, so, yeah, this is, a, you know, very good advice, a piece of good advice that uh, whenever you, you take money from investors and uh, you should be really trying to work with uh, uh, your investors when you have a, a really challenging time because all those, uh, not all of them, but most of those investors will be uh, willing and, and, and to help and uh, which, which will be a great deal uh, to startups. I fully agree with you on that one. And, and as what we do in terms of hiring new CEOs for portfolio companies of venture capitalists and, and recruiting the talent for being these CEOs in some of these companies, when we're going through the process, 
we very often have to deal with them on understanding, can you actually communicate effectively and well with the board, with your investors? And that is a huge part of managing up for a CEO. So, you know, usually the company, everyone in the company looks like a, like a triangle or a pyramid, and everyone's worried about managing up towards that C-level or the CEO. But most people often forget that the CEO has bosses and people that he or she has to communicate with, which is their board and the investors who they ultimately take the money from. So great advice on being able to properly communicate with investors. It's very, very important. Um, this is more of a fun conversation and a question that I wanted to ask you, because obviously, once again, you make investments into companies and med tech companies specifically, but you've seen a lot of things go right and you've seen a lot of things go wrong and you've seen a lot of inefficiencies in this whole process of either raising or investing capital. And so my fun question for you is, if you had a magic stick and you could change anything about the investing process, anything, what would you change? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so, you know, I still believe that if I, you know, I, I if I can really, um, you know, have no invest. I mean, the the, the CEO and the team better, and uh, so uh, and I think then I think I could always have made my decision uh, easy, and <laughs> you know, uh, you still have a limited interaction with the CEO or start this uh, the team, right? So, and you probably you know as investor you don't know, have you know, opportunity to interact with uh, uh, with uh, with the team and CEO too much before you make your decision, right? So, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, have the wisdom and to to understand CEO better and uh, and uh, the team better. And I think that, that really is the critical, you know, part for our decision process. So, yeah. And. I've personally been waiting for this question for a long, long time. I've been following Shengbei Capital for a long time. I was pleased to announce that you've been a, the number one most active medical device investor, not for one year, but for multiple years in a row. And so the one thing I wanted to know is the name of your company, Shengbei Capital. Where does the, the name come from? Is there a story behind it? Yeah, it's interesting. So I uh, since, since I'm originally from Shanghai, in uh, the biggest city in China, and uh, and uh, I, obviously I love my hometown and uh, Shanghai. Sh I don't know whether you have been to Shanghai or not, but Shanghai is a very modern and uh, very futuristic city. That's <laughs> an international city. So even you know, I think the Chinese government has some uh, uh, crazy you know policies and uh, crazy politics right now. But I, I I still believe that Shanghai is one of the the most modern, uh, exciting cities in the world. And I think, uh, so I love Shanghai. And then when I settled down in, um, in the Silicon Valley, I think, well, how should I name my uh, fund? I think, oh, they must be, you know, connected between uh, Silicon Valley and the, and the Shanghai. So I then I put the Shang, uh, so in, uh, in Chinese literally means uh, uh, above. And then I think uh, then then the bay, the bay area. So so basically that the Xiang Bay is a, is a great combination uh, of uh, Shanghai and the bay area. 
and uh, also Shanghai also has a lot of uh, very um, uh, uh, great companies actually. Uh, uh, and uh, so I, I think this this is a kind of uh, the story behind the Shanghai. So. Very nice. Very nice. And you mentioned earlier about before starting the fund, you were with Boston Scientific. And, and now I just want to open up and, and ask the question of who you are. So we've been listening to you give your advice and tell stories of your experience of being an investor, as well as an operator within the medtech industry. But, you know, from what you can share, and you just mentioned that you're from Shanghai. So where are you from in your life? How did you develop your life, your academic career, your, your professional career, leading up to the fact of you being the founding managing partner of Shengbei Capital? And then we'll talk about Shengbei Capital specifically, but I would love for the listeners to understand the person of who they're hearing right now. So who are you, William? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the question. It's a great question. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we... Um, you know, I feel very lucky that uh, we, uh, you know, we are in a very interesting uh, historic period. And uh, I was born and raised uh, uh, in Shanghai, and but I had uh, actually I took a very different path uh, with my uh, my my life and uh, my career. Actually, I was an athlete. I was a professional badminton player. I was one of the uh, top badminton badminton players in China. So. Uh, but but it, it's very interesting, right? So when you actually were athlete in in China at the time, and you didn't do anything just but you know training, or you know all year, all week, all day, all week, all year, and uh, so I start uh, uh, the true professional kind of athlete life starting age of thirteen, wow. and I didn't I didn't finish my middle school. I didn't even go to high school and it was kind of, you know, I missed all the schooling, right? So, and, uh, but I injured myself at age of 17. So basically I, I, I shortened my uh, athletic career and, uh, and returned back to Shanghai. Uh, then I think uh, then I, why I was working during the, the, the daytime and I went back to night school, tried to catch up what I missed uh, at a high school and middle school. So, I didn't start my college until the age of 21, so three years behind. And I finished my undergraduate at 25 and then uh, came to the US. And uh, uh, then I, I went to Michigan State uh, and, uh, and, uh, and that was my MBA. And uh, so, 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 yeah, I got my MBA from Michigan State with a finance uh, focused and uh, and uh, right after school, uh, I got a job actually with a Ford uh, in Detroit. I was in Treasury. I was a very, I think, a very fortunate actually to be able to uh, 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 start uh, my career with Ford. They got a, a, a tremendous uh, uh, training program actually. So, so I was rotating to different positions: Treasury, uh, manufacturing setting. Uh, product development, and I think uh, so. Uh, I think that, that training really helped me to build a solid foundation as as a, uh, as a finance uh, uh, person, and then also really helped me to become a good CFO for a couple of uh, New York Stock Exchange listed uh, life science companies. And so I was I was involved with uh, uh, 
a lot of uh, financings and uh, merge acquisitions. And, uh, you know, I think that really those experiences really helped me uh, to, to become, a, you know, I, I think a, a venture capitalist. Actually, everything was associated. So my experience told me that, uh, uh, you know, no uh, experience would be wasted, actually. So so all those experiences, years experience really add together uh, to help me to uh, become, try, trying to, I've been always trying to, uh, become better investors, and, and that's it's it's a it's being a a life uh, a lifelong learning uh, journey, and I think uh, so. It's so exciting, uh, but it's also challenging uh, for me to keep up. You know what's going on, and keep up. You know uh, what you know what needs to be happening off for Xiaomi to uh, stay on top and uh, and stay competitive to be you know to stay uh, one of the best. Uh, VCs in the medical device space. And it came out not too long ago, but Silicon Valley Bank came out with their annual end of year report. And they come out with it, I think, quarterly, but they certainly make a splash a couple times a year coming after the, the half and then the end of the year. But in 2022, it came out again and said that Shengbei Capital, I believe is the third year in a row that you were rated the number one most active medical device investor. It's a really great title to hear, right? And and also to have, but also what does it really mean, right? So clearly you're most active, meaning in the companies. And on this series, we've talked to numerous different venture capitalists and they all have different theses or, or a thesis of investments of how they go about what they invest in, what they don't invest in and why. And so sometimes there's economics of, they have a $500 million fund, and this is their minimum check, or a $100 million fund, and this is their minimum check, whatever it may be. But I'm genuinely curious, and what do you think is the reason or the ability that Shengbei Capital has the ability to be the most active medical device investor? Like, What makes you different to be able to invest most actively, especially during a hard year like 2022? What, what differentiates you from the rest of the, the companies out there investing in med tech and why are you so active? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think, you know, so oftentimes say, oh, if you're a most active investor, it may not be, you know, the best, right? So uh, I think uh, Xiaobei is very, uh, I, I would say it's different from the most of other funds. And I think uh, for most of funds, I think with our size and probably, uh, each fund, you know, they probably uh, they are going to only invest like five, six, seven, eight companies. And uh, but you know, I, I believe that if you only invest seven, eight companies or even less, and if two or three companies do not perform well, and the fund is not going to uh, perform well, and so our approach is more kind of you know try to look for or, or invest into. Uh, a lot more companies. So, so the number of companies we are, you know, we are investing. Uh, uh, so we usually, the, I think uh, we were going to invest 25 to 30 companies each fund. And uh, which really, I think, you know, we start with a smaller check. And uh, I think, you know, I think really allow us to filter uh, the, you know, some bad companies, some 
average and some great companies. And I, I think it allows us to really, I think, to uh, to get in first. And then, you know, we believe that among those investments, maybe 20% may not be doing well and the CEO may not be performing to the expectation. And, uh, and uh, so probably the Shambi is not going to continue supporting them. And then, and the 50% of those investments and the probably will be average, right? So we can, you know, recover the cost or maybe gain a little bit profit, you know, two X or three X. Uh, but the rest 20, 30% will be super, superstar, you know, uh, uh, companies. And then we will double down, we triple or quadruple our money. And I think so for those uh, access we actually, we, we have had, and we usually, we invest a lot. And so I think, you know, the approach is very different from the, uh, the rest. And I think so far, I think we feel very fortunate, you know, the, you know, the strategy actually worked very well for us. And uh, we, we had a, uh, we have had a, a, a quite a few very big uh, access, you know, with the approach that we, we actually, we, uh, we allocate a, a huge amount of money into those superstars. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, every, every fund has a different thesis and a different strategies and, but Xiaobi is very different. So we're not only uh, the uh, number one lead in the number of transactions we've made, but also in terms of financial performance, we have the, one of the best. And I think for the early funds and our RR, uh, roughly about 40%. And uh, so our, you know, DPI and uh, it's, you know, after four years, it's a 1.8 X. And uh, which I think is among the, one of the best. And uh, so uh, all I want to say is that we're not only lead uh, in in number of deals that we we have made, but also we are one of the best in terms of uh, returning uh, uh, the investment to our investors. I wanted to ask a, a specific question, and this is, I've seen various numbers over the years, and maybe it depends on the certain style of fund, but in medical device, which I'm sure is unique to its own industry, what is a good benchmark or a return for money on investment? Like you mentioned 1.8, but you know sometimes people want to say maybe it's high tech, maybe it's different industries, but five times their money, 10 times their money, 100 times their money. In med tech, when you're returning a fund, like what is a good benchmark to expect in med tech? Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, good question. So actually, so I did some uh, research and also confirmed the research. So basically, the, the the general kind of the firm return, just not only for medical devices, overall, or, or even including the high tech, right? So internet, everything. So, so usually, you know, I think a total investment over, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the the value, uh, the time, uh, may not be big deal because sometimes. Uh, when you have the next round financing and uh, and uh, you increase the value a lot and you can be 5X to 6X. But the most important matrix, you know, the, 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 the matrix is 
how much money you actually returned to your investor based on their commitment, right? So on average, in Silicon Valley, actually, so roughly is 1.8x for each fund. Okay. And uh, for those top VC, like a Sequoia, KP, and so their DPI distribution versus uh, paid in capital is roughly 3 to 3.5x. So, you know, if we can do that, that it will be, uh, you know, one of the best. Uh, mm-hmm. But during, you know, during uh, the, the, the 10 years uh, period, I mean, at a certain points, and uh, the value could be like, you know, 5x, 6x, but sometimes, you know, those high flight, you know, financed firms may, may never, you know, exit eventually. So investors cannot get the money actually, right? So like a rework, we work, for example, right? When when SoftBank invested, they really inflate the price, right? And uh, then then I think uh, early investors they, they they were happy to see the valuation of the company, you know, went up so much, right? And uh, so oh, we we already got a six x or seven x or even ten x. But the company can never exit eventually, so investors can never get money. So, so, so basically, DPI is most important matrix that you measure. Yeah, how good the company, the firm is. So, yeah. So, so on average, I would say, you know, I think a medical device would be also applicable uh, to the, you know, the 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 general stats. And I think, you know, for us early. Early funds, we got a 1.8x, and uh, actually, we still have uh, quite a few companies in very good shape in terms of operations. And uh, once the market uh, window, and I think uh, so, the company can be public or can easily be bought bought out. And then I think our, uh, you know, I I think our performance measure will be. Uh, would be uh, even better. So, and I know that you and I have talked about this before, but you have a strong belief in good investors having operating experience, at least with what they're doing, meaning what industry they're investing in. And you mentioned that you have been spending time with Boston Scientific in your career, but in general, you also have some incredible partners at Cheng Bay Capital and even venture partners. So, why do you believe it's so important for venture capitalists? To have operating experience and tell us a little bit about some of the, the talent that's on your team. Yeah, I think that's so my partner Chao Shen was trained as a physician and a practice as a physician for five years before uh, he you know he started working with the mechanic and the Boston Scientific. So you know with uh, with his technical background and uh, and a medical background, and I think it's 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 really powerful actually for for him to see. Uh, the technologies of each project we are looking at, and also easy to uh, to find uh, that you know I, I think uh, the uh, the new technology which could potentially be disruptive. And I think this you know I think his background experience uh, will be actually very very important to Xiangbei. Uh, in the meantime, so we also got a couple of uh, high flying uh, uh, venture capitalists. Uh, uh, Michael Wallace, and uh, he's a uh, uh, super 
you know, I, I think uh, successful uh, entrepreneurs and, and, and uh, engineer, and he used to work with uh, Boston Scientific as a, as a senior uh, VP or VP uh, engineering. And then, you know, he had, he has had a, a, a few startups and uh, recently sold his company to Boston Scientific for 400 million. So we're very lucky to, to be a seed investor when the company was valued only $9 million. And the Boston Scientific uh, led the Series A and the Norwest and some of the uh, big firms, uh, VCs actually uh, led Series B. So it only took two years, 10 months uh, for us to put money in to get the money back. And wow. uh, I think that's, uh, uh, that's uh, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous. So yeah, he's uh, one of the best, and I think, uh, uh, entrepreneurs and uh, so he had he has had a tremendous experience in terms of operations in terms of you know entrepreneurs so uh, you know with with his experience uh, we sometimes we can easily uh, 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 you know kind of tell or identify the problems that uh, the startups have and uh, you know I think then we can really provide some very insightful suggestions advice to the firms uh, to the visa uh, to the startups uh and then uh uh eric Engelson is also uh very successful entrepreneurs and and the senior executive in the medical device space and uh, so he actually as a as a uh, co-founder of target therapeutics and he sold his company to boston scientific back in 1997 for 1.2 billion US dollars in the and he also, he was a, a CEO of the um, uh, Medina. And I think the company was late so to, um, to uh, uh, Medtronic. And uh, so, you know, with, I believe that our medical device team uh, probably is the best. And all our experience actually are complementary to each other. So, and I think so when we actually uh, uh, make our decisions, so, and we, you know, we have, each person to give their opinion. So if all of us feel the company is good and uh, from different perspective, and then we make our decision. And usually with all the feedbacks, you know, the uh, uh, from all, you know, uh, the partners, venture partners, and then I think the likelihood of making right decision is much, much higher. So, so far, I think we, uh, we have picked the, some great companies and i think so you know really thanks to uh every partners venture partners efforts and ex expertise and i think that's uh, that's you know how you know we are very different from other funds and uh, other funds probably you know there are a lot of uh there may there might be also some physicians and then also or pure financial investment but us and i think uh, all of us have a deep experience in the medical device space and also we have different background uh and uh, you know really i think as different very in-depth knowledge in the in, the, in their respective uh, uh uh areas so which really i think uh, combine all those experiences so usually we can make good decisions and in terms of the history of shangbei capital I, how many funds are you on now and and how big are the funds yeah, so we have uh, so far reached the four funds, uh, and uh, so uh, so roughly uh, so uh, so we uh, 
uh, roughly about 300 million US dollar under management. And uh, we're planning actually to raise new funds uh, uh, probably by the end of this year, uh, as we uh, already are, uh, uh, we have, uh, we, we complete our in department for fund three, which we really focus on early stage. And uh, fund four is what we call the opportunity funds, more kind of follow investments funds to follow, uh, follow those investments we have already made. And uh, we feel those companies uh, have made a tremendous uh, progress and uh, potentially they can be very successful. But in the meantime, for fun, we also invest in some new uh, technologies, new funds, uh, new, uh, uh, new uh, projects. So then I've been following you for a while and, and more recently we've seen some big numbers come up where you've participated and even led at times for example, Alleviant Medical's recent $75 million round and Setpoint Medical's $80 million round. And you've also participated in Ramji's from Lapless Interventional, you participated in his Series A of $7.9 million. So you have these massive numbers and, and rounds like 75 and 80, but you also participate in the early stuff like 7.9 Series A for Lapless Interventional. So with these funds that you have, you can cover both early stage and middle slash later stage that require more capital? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, yeah, we are very flexible. And I think uh, we are. We don't want to restrict ourselves. And in an open time, uh, so uh, different opportunities may, uh, may present themselves, uh, you know, from basically at the different stages of the company. So... You know, we are, you know, we mainly focus on early stage. I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, Series A and the Series B probably are a sweet spot. And But we also invest in like a seed round. And then I think we also invest in, you know, uh, Series C and Series D and and the pre-IPO. And I think, uh, so, yeah, I think we, we love to, uh, syndicate the deals uh, which actually was involved with uh, with strategic. So I, I think Boston Center is one of the favorite strategics actually we we have been working with and uh, we have been working with Boston Center on many deals uh, and uh, including Setpoint, including uh, Laplace and including the uh, Alleviate. And I, I think uh, so all those projects Boston Center has also has involved. And I, I think it's we're very good partners. And I think uh, uh, oftentimes, uh, and, uh, I think uh, I actually had a uh, uh, meeting uh, with Boston Scientific this uh, this morning. And uh, so we uh, we discussed the potential collaboration on investing in another company, which we, we led last round, uh, Boston Scientific. I cannot name the company, but but they are interested in you know, taking a look, a serious look, and and most likely they will be, you know, they will be uh, joining us. And uh, and I, I think you know we we are really uh, we feel very lucky, and uh, so we you know we can really work with those uh, big strategics, uh, you know, Boston Scientific, Medtronic, uh, Johnson Johnson, and uh, and uh, some other companies uh, very well. And uh, I, I I believe that uh, you know with uh, for example, like you know, alleviate and the set point, uh, multiple strategies involved, and uh, we feel very comfortable to uh, to syndicate to to you know to participate 
and to work with those big strategics. And the other thing is being the most active medical device venture capitalist, we all, and, and I usually don't talk about the dates. I'd like to have this be more of like a, a great insight to everlasting insight of raising and investing capital. But we are talking about today is March 9th of 2023. And we are either still in it, maybe according to some people, or we're maybe coming out of it. But either way, we've had some challenging months in the past handful of months, nine months, maybe year, uh, where we were coming off a very unsustainably hot economy of the back half of 2020, certainly all of 2021, um, and leading into maybe even the first half of 2022. But the, the past six months minimally has been fairly tough for those who have been raising capital. And the economy itself has been fairly challenging, where I talk to startups on a very regular basis, um, and, and they're all sharing somewhat of a similar story of the challenge of the market right now. So what's your perspective as the founding managing partner of the most active medical device investor during an economic challenge or an economic pullback? What, what's, your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think this is an excellent question. So, yeah, so we um, yeah, really, I think, you know, economic environment is still tough. And I think so obviously we have, we have been kind of slowing down the, the pace uh, and of making our decision, but we continue investing in those companies, which we feel uh, the, the, they got a great management team, they got a great technologist, and they, they know how to really manage uh, uh, their burn and, uh, you know, be, uh, be very efficient. And uh, so, for example, that, uh, you know, obviously that the, some of our portfolio companies may also uh, be experiencing some hard timing, uh, raising new money for the past year, you know, six months or a year. And I think uh, so, but, but, but in the, in the, at the same time, and uh, still quite a few companies, they, uh, they continue uh, uh, hitting their milestones. Uh, they continue doing extremely well. And they actually, they have, you know, they have had an upright, including like a set, set point, right? So we invested in set point uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, and, uh, um, and then I think recently they got a very good data uh, from clinical trial. And uh, so they raised the run and uh, they actually the up run by 50%. And uh, so uh, obviously we're very happy and we continue to, uh, to you know, follow on investments. And, uh, and uh, another, another company actually was also uh, had a huge up run and uh, led by uh, one of the best, uh, you know, the most famous person in the robotic surgical, surgical robotic space. And uh, yeah, I think uh, still, I mean, you know, uh, during this difficult time, actually you have had opportunity to uh, negotiate uh, better terms actually. So yeah, I mean, we, we are a little bit careful and cautious, but we continue investing. And uh, you actually have some leverage to uh, to getting to deal with a better term. So, yeah. But of course, I think mean, oh, we also be cautious with the check sides, and uh, we 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 uh, uh, actually on purpose we 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 reduced 
our check size and, uh, and basically, you know, try to be more uh, prudent. Uh, but it doesn't really stop our investing. So. And thank you for that insight. I want to sign off with this last question and, and helping out the entrepreneurs and more likely the earlier stage entrepreneurs that you can also potentially invest in at that series A level, maybe even series B. But like you mentioned, you look at 10 new companies a week sometimes, but you probably get hit with a lot more slide decks and inbound messaging beyond those 10. Um, if you could give advice to those entrepreneurs listening in from the most active medical device venture capitalists right now, what are the biggest mistakes that you often see about how entrepreneurs approach raising capital from venture capitalists? Meaning when they reach out to you, what are some of the mistakes that you often see on whether it's their slide deck, their storytelling, their approach, uh, whatever it may be? And, and how can you offer advice to those out there on what's best to approach venture capitalists when asking for money or raising money? I, yeah, I think a great question. So usually when we look at the company, we, we like those companies who uh, uh, really can give us a, a very systematic and a, and a relatively long-term kind of the timelines and, uh, and a clear milestone and also clear uh, uh, financial uh, planning or the financial requirements. And uh, so oftentimes, so some, in, uh, some uh, startups, they only prov provide you with a very short and uh, near-term kind of the pictures. And I think uh, so, you know, having a long, relatively long and a clear uh, uh, kind of the timelines and, uh, and the milestones and, the, and the plus uh, the uh, very uh, efficient uh, capital requirements and uh, you know sometimes you know I I, I was seeing some uh, uh, startups they are always trying to raise as much as possible which uh, I don't think it's a good idea actually right so you you, you we can tell whether the CEO has done a good job and they're trying to raise whatever is required it needed and that they don't you know they don't need to raise more than they what they need actually they they just, you know, I think, you know, we can tell, you know, whether the team, the CEOs have done a job, good job actually to manage this. And so communicate with the, uh, with the investor clearly. And so that we can see that the, you know, the, the CEO and the team will be very efficient in managing all the process and trying to be very efficient and bring the value not only uh, to the team to founding team and uh, but also to to potential investors so william I, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today uh we have a large listenership following this podcast and i think even the title of the most active medical device venture capitalist will certainly be sexy to those wanting to listen to your advice and also some of the stories that you share with us today and how you do this so william day founding managing partner of Shengbei Capital. I want to say thank you so much for your time today on sharing and demystifying this process. And this is the MedTech Money podcast series where we do demystify raising and investing capital in MedTech. Thank you so much, William. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure to, uh, talk, to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.